I shouted at my children. I shouted at my colleagues. God is judging that. Anger. Anger is being judged. And we take it very lightly because we don't even consider it as a sin to be confessed. Am I right? Uh, we, we, we don't even confess that anger is a sin. You know, the, the, the second error the religious people they do is they underestimate the depth of their own sin. They underestimate the depth of their own sin. You know, it is, it is man's temptation to exaggerate the faults of others while minimizing one's own. My wife drops a glass and it breaks and becomes a serious crime. Then I break and I do break. It's a normal tendency. You, you will do the very same act, but when some, somebody else does it, it's a very serious thing. I will go and spend money the way I feel like, but my wife spends five rupees extra, she has to give a very long list. We need to be careful how we treat others. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 7 3, Why do you look? At the spirit of sawdust, dust in your brother's eye, and pay no attention to the plan in your own mind. What Paul is telling us is when we judge others, we judge ourselves. How does God judge us? God judges us based on our own words. God judges us based on our own words. It's interesting, no? We sometimes when we talk about God's judgment, oh God must be having a different scale and it's going to be very difficult for us to come up to that standard. But Paul says, you will be judged based on your own words. God will judge us based on our own words. Because in Romans 2-3 he says, so when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Now if you read this four verses carefully, chapter 2 verses 1 to 4, you know, Paul is uncovering a strange human weakness that all of us have. He's just explaining our weakness. He says we tend to be far quicker and harsher in judging others and we are very lenient when it comes to ourselves. We tend to be far quicker and harsher in our criticism of others than of ourselves. We are always harsh towards others but we are very lenient towards ourselves. Let me explain it to you. You know, I got angry because I was very tired. No, I didn't want to get angry, but I was so tired. I just entered the house and you said something. So I was very tired. What am I doing? I'm very lenient to myself. You know, I didn't get angry because it is you who said this. You provoked me. Otherwise, I'm such a saint. 
you provoke me and that's how I got angry. You know what's happening? Paul is uncovering that the flesh that is in us. You know, anger is okay. I didn't slap you, no. Be happy. I didn't slap you. Early shouted that it's okay. It's lesser evil. What am I doing in my life? What am I doing in my spiritual walk? You know, I am taking a higher moral standard. This is what we call as self-righteousness. This is what Bible calls it as self-righteousness. You know, I am not, I'm not so bad. I didn't shout at you because when you provoke me. So I take a higher moral ground. At the same time, I'm excusing the sin that is in myself. I don't call my own, I don't say, oh, I murdered you. I shouted at you, means I murdered you. That's what Jesus Christ said. If you are angry, then you are. For the wages of sinners, I don't tell that. I tell that. I, what did I say? I just shouted at you. So, so when we have this attitude of self-righteousness, you know, we feel very comfortable. We lead a sinful life, but at the same time we feel good about ourselves. This is, I hope you get Paul's point in this passage. Paul is telling, as human beings, we have some kind of a self-righteous attitude so that we condone the mistakes that is in us while we are very harsh as far as others are concerned. But in the process, we are excusing the sin that is in us. If anger is wrong for somebody, it is equally wrong for me also. But we overlook that. And that's what Paul is saying that, you know, condemning others while excusing ourselves is what allows us to hang on to both our self-righteousness and sin. Too often coming to, our, coming to church, reading the scripture, saying prayer, we tend to think, oh, I'm not living a sinful life. Because when we have a self-righteous attitude, this is what happens in our lives. Now Paul says, if that is your attitude, you're exposing, I'm exposing myself to God's judgment. And not only I'm exposing myself to God's judgment, I'm, I'm leaving no way of escape from it. If this is my attitude, I have no way I can escape God's judgment. Paul says, in judging others, we condemn ourselves. In judging other people, we condemn ourselves. And this is what he tells in verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1, he says, when we judge others, we thereby condemn ourselves. And in verse 2 he says, We know perfectly well that God's judgment against those who sustain is based on truth. When we judge others, we cannot say I have judged them in truth. But when God judges us, He will always judge us in truth. And in verse 3 he says, How then can we escape? How then can we suppose that we will escape? God's judgment. We cannot escape God's judgment. 
Paul is not telling us to suspend all our critical faculties that you should not judge. Paul is not telling that. But Paul is not saying if you judge, hey, you have done something wrong. Paul is not saying that that kind of a judgment is illegitimate or it is. Paul is not saying that. No, Paul is telling that when you set a higher standard for others and you set a lower standard for yourself, he's, he's condemning that. That's not right. When you have, and I expect my wife to not to shout, and if I shout at her, that kind of hypocritical attitude, Paul condemns. A high standard for other people and a comfortably low one for ourselves. A high standard for pastor and a high standard for the congregation. You know, that's what Paul is talking in this passage. And what religious, sometimes religious people will say, they will appeal to God's kindness. This is known as misusing theology, manipulating theology. You know, we say, our God is a good God. You know, we, when we underestimate God's judgment, we are not honoring God. When we are underestimating God's judgment, we are not honoring God. That's what we say as manipulative theology. We misapply scripture to our advantage. After all, God is good. You know, he himself he said, you know, for our God, he is compassionate. Gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. You know, when we misapply scripture like this, we are not paying honor to God. God is truly His compassion, He's gracious, He's slow to anger, abounding in love. But if you are going to undermine the consequences of sin, we are not giving respect to God. That's what Paul is saying. Because in verse 4 he says, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. It is intended to give us space in which to repent, not to give us an excuse for sinning. Whenever we are talking about, we are talking about God's love, it does not undermine his judgment, rather it gives us a place to, it brings us to a place of repentance. Sorry, Lord. I'm sorry for what I have done. That's what Paul says. We, we cannot undermine God's mercy, kindness, goodness. We should not take it lightly. We need to know our God is a God of love as well as a God of judgment. And if He's not judging us, it is because of His love. You know, God will always be fair in His judgment. He says in Romans 2 2, for God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. When God judges us, it's He's impartial, He will judge the pastor more severely than the members. But it will be an impartial judgment. He'll be fair in His judgment. You know, Francis Schaeffer, a 20th century theologian, he explained things like this. He said, around our every neck, God has placed an invisible recorder. That's how we explain. Around each one of us, I have an invisible recorder 
that is being recorded and he, God has put an invisible recorder around each one of our neck whether you wear gold chain or not doesn't matter but this is there God sends us into this world with a recorder around our neck and it records the things that we say about others the recorder it doesn't do anything extraordinary it doesn't record the recorder around my neck doesn't record your voice it records my voice about what I say about Pastor Fred what I say about others what I say about Vignesh so that, that recorder records all the things that you speak about you say about others and then we not only we say you know I not only say Pastor Fred is like that he should be like that I also have a word Okay, I said it. I set a higher standard for somebody else and lower standard for me. And this recorder records. And then on the final day, when we stand before God, you know how God will judge? God will not even open his mouth. He will just press the button of our tape recorder. And you can judge yourself. God doesn't have to pass a judgment. It is Paul, that's what Paul says in chapter 2. We need to pay attention to these verses. It's, these verses appear at the surface very difficult. But there's profound truth in these verses. We always set a high standard. High standard. High standard for everyone. Everyone in the worship team. Pastor. Everyone team. I'm talking about the church context. We set a higher standard. Higher standard for our children as parents. Higher standard for them and a lower standard for us. And God is going to judge us based on our own words. That's what He says. The third thing Paul says is God desires that both Christians and non Christians be saved. Both Christians and non-Christians be saved. In other words, Paul says, both people inside the church and outside the church need to be saved. Because when you talk about self-righteous religion, and I say, I have not got angry. You only provoke me. I'm actually rejecting God from my life. God considers sin as murder, and I don't consider sin as uh, anger as murder. God considers anger as murder, but I don't. I have rejected God already in my standard. I am a self-righteous person. So I reject. My standards are lower. So when I do that, I am a self-righteous person. What the Bible says, if I undermine that, I become a self-righteous It's okay. Oh, you did it without knowing. No, it's not okay. Whether you did it knowingly or not, unknowingly, it is not okay. Sin before God is not at all okay. Because the moment you say it is okay to please others, you are not, you are undermining the price that Jesus paid for your sins. We cannot do that. Whether it is my son, whether it is my wife, or it is me, or anyone. Sin is sin. We like to accept that or not, the Bible clearly says we need to be careful when it comes to sin. What about the people that Paul explained in chapter 1? They are 
people who are self-centered, irreligious people. They know God, but they suppress the knowledge of God and they lead a wicked life. When they say wicked life, anytime God is out of our life, we are leading a wicked life. We think we are leading a good life, but goodness is not godly life. Let us not lead to a goodness with godliness. Anytime we could lead God out of our lives, we are leading a wicked life. There's no other term. So Paul says, even these irreligious people, they, they avail all the benefits of God. If I'm breathing today, it's God's favor. So even people, atheists also, even if they're breathing, it's purely God's favor. They avail all God's goodness. Air is free, water is free, their God is blessed with hands, legs. They avail all those good things, but they fail to give thanks to God. And self-righteous people, they take the name of God, but they don't consider God as God. They have their own standard. If I am a self-righteous person, I have, I have got my own standard. Oh, I didn't get angry. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. This kind of okay mentality is what is considered as self-righteous people. We set our own standard. We don't consider God as God. And Paul says that is not right. We need scripture. Uh, we, we need God in our life. This is what Peter explains in 2 Peter 3.9. He says, the Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to Repentance. God's purpose in His patience. You now we keep saying God will come one day, He will judge. He is only patient. It is not to excuse our sins, but just to stimulate our repentance. If God's second coming is planning, it's because He is patient so that more and more people will come to repentance. It is not that God is late. God will come at the right time. He is just patient. He is so loving. So he is patient. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 2, 4. He says, Are do you so content for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? In, in 2 Peter, Peter is addressing the Gentile population. But here, in Romans 2, 4, Paul is addressing the Jewish people. In the 21st century, we can take it for Christian people. Paul is addressing the Christian people in Romans 2, 4. And Peter is addressing the non-Christian people in 2 Peter 3, 9. In other words, God is patient means we just take things for granted. We need to be careful. We need to repent. You know, if this passage is very difficult to understand, let me uh, take the parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 15 and let me see uh, whether we may understand this better. In Luke chapter 15, we have seen that the parable of the two lost sons. It is not the parable of the prodigal son, it is the parable of the two lost sons. The father had two sons. One, the younger son, we all know, he led a very ostentatious life. He went, he took father's money, he spent all his money the way he wanted to let. 
He enjoyed his life, he partied, he did everything. The second son was very obedient. Whatever the father said, he obeyed. And we know at the end of the story, we know both were lost. So in Romans chapter 1, is about the younger son. So it is, we are all very comfortable with Romans chapter 1. Because we are very easy. The Gentile people, they don't know God. They have suppressed the knowledge of God. So God has handed them over to wickedness and godlessness. They have become homosexuals. They are wicked people. We have no problem. They will judge. Now chapter 2, Paul is talking about the elder brother who obeys his father, who is always at home, taking care of things, but he doesn't understand that he is also lost. The elder brother is also lost. The elder brother is also lost. Both of them being Jesus, the Son of God. And that's the message Paul is making to Romans. I hope Paul is going to sing that in Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 2. Inside the church, outside the church, we need Jesus. You know, Paul is using uh, two words in Romans chapter 2, verse 5. He says, Your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart. Your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart. When we read in the English translation, we miss the meaning of this word. Your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart. Uh, but if you, you, if you look at the Greek words uh, that Paul has used, he used the words called skelrotis and amatomonetis. Uh, if you see the Greek word uh, change, uh, the way the Old Testament was translated, these two words, they denote idolatry. You know, initially when Paul was telling that Gentile people, they will all be condemned, they will face judgment. The Jewish people are so happy. Yes, yes, yes. They deserve that condemnation because they are people of morality, they are people of idolatry. And Paul is using the very same words to describe the Jewish people to say that, you know, your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, basically you are saying, you Jewish people are also in That's what Paul is telling in his words. He says, because of your idolatry, you will also be judged. What Paul is saying is, though really religious obedience looks godly, in fact it is a form of idolatry. Though religious obedience looks godly, in fact, it's a form of idolatry. Righteousness is free. That's what we saw. Martin Luther's life was transformed by reading Romans 1, verses 15 and 16. Righteousness is free. It's a gift to all of us. What Paul is trying to tell us is we constantly we need to receive this righteousness. The day I feel I'm good. I'm building up an idol. The day I feel, oh, people have spoken so bad about me, what will happen to me? That means my identity is on somewhere else. It is not in Jesus. Anytime my identity is set apart from Jesus, I become a self-righteous person. The moment we are saved, our identity comes from Jesus, not from our job, not from our career, not from our spouse, not from our children, not from their accomplishments or our achievements. 
our identity is in Jesus. That's what Paul says in this. You Jewish people. You know, you think by doing things that you can earn God's reward. Paul says, no, no, no way. We need Jesus. 24-7, we need Jesus. We need, that, that is, that, that's, we have been called to depend on this Jesus. To depend on Jesus. 24-7. The moment I feel something good about myself, I need to be careful. As the moment I feel I'm better than somebody, I need to be careful. It is that kind of life and what that is where you have freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ is everything I need, I have in Christ. Everything I need, I have in Christ. I know it's very challenging, it's very difficult, but I, I pray that we will continue to struggle with these thoughts that Paul wants us to learn. When we rely on anything or anyone but Jesus to give us righteousness, we are refusing to accept the gospel. Let me make quick application and let me see whether we understand this. Let me make two applications. The first one is, do we judge those outside the church by saying, I am not like them? I am not like them. I don't worship idols. Do we judge people outside the church? If I am not worshipping idols, it's purely God's grace. It's purely His grace. If you and I are not worshipping so-called idols, it's purely God's grace. You know, the more you understand how you have been saved, you have more love. We will not judge them. We will not say this country will go to ruin. We are we we are supposed to go on that path. But God in His grace is us. That is the gospel. Gospel is not there to send people to hell. Because of the gospel, we have been brought from the dominion dominion of darkness into the kingdom of light. And unless we understand, not because we deserve it, it's purely it's unmerited love. God's love. The more we understand our salvation, we will always depend on Jesus. Apart from you, Jesus, I have nothing. Apart from you, I have nothing. It's not about what I get from you. It's not about car and bounders and promotion. It's not that. Jesus, I want you in. I want gospel to pervade every area in my life. That is gospel. That's what Paul says. Whether you are a, whether you are circumcised or not circumcised, whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, we all need Jesus. Do we realize how important it is that we need God? How important Jesus is in our life, and also how important it is for us to somehow bring people to the same knowledge of Jesus. Apart from Jesus, there is no life. Apart from Jesus. Because we, we become self-righteous, we 
we don't consider the seriousness of gospel. If I get angry, it's okay. When others get angry, then it's a serious thing. It's self-righteous. Whenever we become self-righteous, the danger of becoming self-righteous is we are promoting or we are tolerating sin within us. And that is not good. That's what Paul says. Do not judge others. The second application I want to make. Do we condemn others for the sins we ourselves are guilty of? Do we judge others for the sins we are guilty of? Uh, maybe a year ago, I started spending some time to study more about inner healing. And as I started reading, the first thing the, it says is, if you really want to have inner healing in your life, you should not judge others. You know, I have read Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, do not judge others. And I have not understood the seriousness of that. As I read that, I stopped reading and I said, my goodness, right from my childhood, one thing that I have done without fail is judging others. I have been brought up in an environment where I was judged and I judged others. Knowingly or unknowingly, it has become part of my life. And if I want to enjoy that fullness of life in Christ, whether I like it or not, I have to deal with this, with this problem of judging others. The, the, what happens when we judge others? The moment I judge anyone, I place a bitter root inside my soul. Now, if I place a bitter root inside my soul, what fruits can I expect? Bad fruits. If the roots are bad, I cannot expect I produce good fruits. It's impossible. So I need to deal with my roots. And that's what, if, if all of us, if we are very serious about our own spiritual life, if we are serious about the well-being of our soul, we take care of our beauty, our appearance, our intellectual ability, we improve our skills, all those things are good. But if you are seriously concerned about your soul, your health of my soul, if I'm serious, the first thing, especially living, born and brought up in an Indian context, we, we, we are not used to judging others. Freely we judge others. And every time we have judged others, we have placed a bitter root within us. Unless we deal with this bitter root, we will not be able to be, we will not be able to produce good fruits in life. That's what Paul says in chapter 2. Do not judge others. If you judge others, you are going to judge others. That's the essence of today's message. Today's message, what Paul says is, whether you are a Christian, whether you are a non-Christian, whether you are a non-believer, whether you are a Jew, do not judge others. Do not judge others, we are placing a bitter root inside our soul. Do you realize how serious it is? If you want to be free in Christ, you and I have no right to judge others. Whether to judge my spouse or my children, I have no right. We make a critical evaluation, we make a judgment, but to judge them 
we don't have that right. That's what Paul says. And that's what Jesus said. Do not judge others or you too will be judged. Jesus, son of God. We need to take the word, the word of God very seriously. If at all we'll be judged, we'll be judged by the word of God. The word of God is available to each one of us. It is not okay. We cannot live like others and say it is okay. Everybody gets angry. I am also getting angry. No, it's not okay. As children of God, for whom Jesus has died on the cross, we need to take sin seriously. We cannot play with sin. Sin is like cancer. It has to be rooted out of our body. Whether I am a pastor or a bishop, it doesn't matter who I am. I am a human being. Sin affects my body like cancer affects my physical body. Sin has to be dealt with and all of us, wherever the Holy Spirit convicts us, let us not justify, it's okay. It's okay, the situation was like that. We, we will fall. That's why at the end of the day, we need to confess and ask God. We need to name, oh God, I got angry. Oh God, I entertained that thought. That's not right. Forgive me. This is an important part in a Christian's life. We need to do that. We need to do that. In any mainline church, before the Lord's Supper is served, there is a part of repentance, confession. We have all just overlooked those things, but they are all important. We may look, we may overlook those rituals, but the essence is essential for all of us. We need to repent of our sins. God is patient. God is loving. God wants to give us life. If Emmanuel, God is with us, we, we should be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. If God is truly so real in our lives, we should be able to say, I lack nothing because I have Emmanuel in my life. We need to come to that place. We have been called to come to that place. Emmanuel, you're with me. I don't need anything else in this world. If you are with me, that is enough. That's what Paul says. Don't judge others. Don't judge others. Because our God will judge us. So let's be careful. Let's say, God, help us not to judge others. Shall we look to the Lord in prayer?